This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Sometimes it's in the miraculous work of His hand. But you know, sometimes God steps into our lives in ways that we're not real comfortable with. Uh, sometimes God interrupts our lives to get our attention, to draw our attention back to Him. Because if life is going really smooth, hey God, I got a handle on this now, I'll call you if I need you. And we run our lives that way. God will and does interrupt our lives for His glory. In our study with Pastor David, we'll take a look at another one of the most familiar songs of the Christmas season, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Charles Wesley originally penned the lyrics of this great hymn, yet it wasn't until the great composer William Cunnings heard these joyful lyrics that it became the song we're familiar with today. What depth we have in song, as ordinary shepherds encountered extraordinary beings who proclaimed the birth of the newborn king. Well, let's join Pastor David in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 8, with his continuing study entitled, Songs of the Season. Well, during this season, we sing a lot of songs, and we hear a lot of songs uh, about the first advent of Christ, the first coming of Christ. As far as Christmas or Advent songs, there are just bunches and bunches of Christmas songs, some that are new, uh, more modern, that have been brought to uh, our attention through some of the uh, modern uh, Christian artists. There are some that are very, very old, uh, that that reach hundreds of years ago and remain popular today. There are some that uh, aren't really all that popular, but that some really love, like the Holly and the Ivory. Again, some really love that, and some never heard it or not real familiar. And then some, it seems like, man, they do that so often. And then some that you absolutely reject like Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer. So uh, those... Well, the songs that we sing here... Now, we'll sing modern ones, we'll sing old ones, but hopefully the songs that we sing here in the fellowship are going to be songs that either just, again, just bring the joy of the season to you or really speak of the depth of the season. Last week, we looked at a song written by Charles Wesley. And again, that was back in the 1700s. Well, tonight we're actually going to look at another Charles Wesley song, not simply because Charles Wesley wrote it. I didn't know that he wrote both of these when I was looking to do these two studies on these two carols of the seasons. But again, written by Charles Wesley, but he also had a lot of contribution from other folks in it. It was, again, in the early 1700s, Charles Wesley wrote this song, and it appeared in a 1739 edition of Hymns and Sacred Poems. How many of you have that in your life? Probably none of us know. As a matter of fact, I think it's long gone. Uh, But the words of that song that we sing today are actually different than what were originally, what Charles Wesley originally wrote in that song. His friend, another fellow you might be familiar with, Charles Whitfield, 
who is a friend of Charles Wesley's, actually tweaked Wesley's song a little bit to bring it into the version that we sing today. And it's kind of interesting to note that uh, Charles Wesley was uh, reformed in his theology, and Charles Whitfield, he was Armenian in his theology. So two opposite poles of some theological perspectives, but yet they were good friends. They worked together in several different projects. Well, Wesley wrote the song with this kind of anticipation that this particular song would be sung very slow in, in a very solemn type of a manner, and yet it really didn't pick up popular during that time. It wasn't until about a 100 years later, a fellow by the name that many of you have heard, Felix Mendelssohn wrote a cantata in 1840. This cantata had absolutely nothing to do with Christmas. It was a cantata celebrating the 400-year anniversary of the Gutenberg Press, of Johann Gutenberg's invention of the printing press. So he made this whole musical cantata. Now, Felix Mendelssohn, he was pretty much a secular composer, didn't, uh, that's kind of the different things that he did. But there was one little tune in this whole cantata that another guy by the name of William Cunnings heard liked the tune to it, put that tune to Wesley's carol, and so today we have the words and the tune that we're so familiar with. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph in the skies, with angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. I want to look a little bit at that carol tonight and the really the theological depth of that carol. Uh, it is just full of real richness within the words that Wesley wrote. Uh, and again, the blessing of a song like that is it really proclaims and, and declares our Christian faith even as we sing it. Now, I don't mind every once in a while doing a na-na-na song. I don't mind that at all. But you know what? The major portion of our songs, they need to have some meat to them. They need to have some purpose and direction to them. So again, there's no doubt that this song's center focus is on the angelic proclamation to those shepherds that were out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Of the two gospel accounts that speak of the birth of Christ, Matthew and Luke, Luke is the only one that speaks about that angelic presentation to the shepherds. So if you got your Bibles, why don't you turn first with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. A very, very familiar passage. Again, we we look at these passages every year about this time, and we're going to begin in verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And in verse 13, And suddenly 
there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You know, this had to be not one of the most, but actually the most amazing, spectacular, powerful nights these shepherds had ever, ever experienced in their life and probably ever would experience in their lives. These were simple shepherds. They were undoubtedly men, perhaps women, their wives and and children that were with them in that setting. We don't know for sure. But they were there, and folks, they were simply doing what they were supposed to do. They were going about their work of life, their calling of life, whatever that calling. And so many times, people get so caught up in the calling. You know, well, I believe God has called me to be this. I believe God has called me to be Well, that's great if he has. But you know, as I shared Sunday, the vast majority of our callings are to be moms and dads and carpenters and truck drivers and office workers and teachers and caretakers. Things that, again, in our normal course of life are all necessary and needful and need Christian men and women and young people to live their lives for the glory and the honor of Christ in all that their hands find to do. These guys, these shepherds, were no doubt absolutely engaged in the mundane. I mean, let's face it, how exciting could it be sitting out there keeping watch over your flock by night. There's not a whole lot happening. You're probably kind of hoping that a wolf or a bear might come just to give a little excitement to the night. Because night after night after night after night after night after boring night, you're sitting there watching the sheep. Oh, yeah, you got the beauty of the stars. You've got the splendor of God's creation, but you've also got rain and cold and wind and all these other things that are just out there. They were doing what they were called to do, and every once in a while, what every one of us is called to do, it flat out gets mundane. It gets boring. We say, Lord, isn't there something else I could be doing? And God simply wants us to be faithful where we're at. Because these guys, in the midst of all of this, every night, pretty much the same. The route to work, pretty much the same. Always the same people that they work with. Always the same sheep that they worked with. Again, everything the same. And then suddenly, that one night. Now, nowhere does it say that these were righteous shepherds. Do you understand that? These are just regular dudes, regular shepherds. Well, maybe some dudettes also, but regular shepherds that are out there keeping watch over their flock. They're simply doing what they're supposed to do, and all of a sudden, bam! Here, God steps into their lives, and he steps in in a huge, huge way. God can step into your life and my life in an enormous amount of ways. Sometimes it's in the miraculous work of his hand. But you know, sometimes God steps into our lives in ways that we're not real comfortable with. Uh, sometimes God interrupts our lives to get our attention, 
to draw our attention back to Him. Because if life is going really smooth, hey God, I got a handle on this now. I'll call you if I need you. And we run our lives that way. God will and does interrupt our lives for His glory. These shepherds, their lives were interrupted. God intervened in their lives. And you know what? These shepherds became the very first evangelists. The very first evangelists. They had a story to tell, and they couldn't keep from telling it. We understand from the context of Luke's report that these shepherds ran to see the fulfillment of that angelic proclamation. Look what it says in verse 15. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they tarried a day or two and sauntered over. No, what does it say? They came with haste. You know what? I think they probably came that night. I think as soon as that angel said, Wow! This is exciting. Let's face it. If an angel came and spoke to any of us, number one, after we recovered from the heart attack, we we would probably want to go and see, what is he talking about? I want to go. I want to see what's going on. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And I love verse 17. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the sayings which was told them concerning the child. I believe that their hearts were so on fire for the things of God that they couldn't help but telling someone about it. Let's face it. Ladies, if you get a great sale someplace, you're going to call a friend up and say, Hey, guess what? I just got this or this over at such and such for only this and this. You want to let people know. If uh, we as guys, we find a, a great tool or something free at Harbor Freight, we're calling each other and saying, hey, if you go over there with a coupon, you get a brand new for free. And we we do it. We want to let each other know. We're excited about things. We want to let people know. But this is more exciting than Harbor Freight. <laughs> An angel of the Lord spoke to them, told them the baby was born. They went and they saw to make sure that what the angel said was right. And when they did, it says they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it, they marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Now, stop right there. All those who heard it marveled. What did they marvel at? I think they probably marveled at a few things. Number one was probably the fire that was inside those shepherds' hearts. Wow, I don't know if what this guy has seen is true, but he believes it and he's on fire with it. Oh, to God that we as believers were that way. That what we know about Christ was so real to us and so powerful to us that we had that kind of fire continually burning in our hearts. So often when we're new believers, man, we're excited about the Lord. We want to share. And then as the years go by and maybe decades go by, then pretty soon we're kind of settled in in the easy chair of our Christian life. And it's not nearly as exciting. It's uh, The fire isn't quite burning as, as hot and as it was. I believe that God desires to fan that flame within each one of our hearts in these last days so that we, too, can make widely known 
the realities concerning that child. It says they marveled at those things. The fire of the shepherds. I believe the second thing they marveled at is the reality that an angel spoke to you. I know you. I've seen you in town. And you're telling me an angel spoke to you? Ain't no angel ever spoke to me. Why would an angel speak to you? I think that there was probably some marveling in why those guys, why the shepherds? Why not some religious guys? Why not some rabbis? Why not somebody busy in the synagogue there in Bethlehem? No, he spoke to, let's face it, shepherds during that time. There were stinking shepherds. The stinking shepherds out in the field that we don't associate too much with the shepherds. They were on a lower class of the people of Israel. Again, and an angel spoke to them. Yeah, God moves in normal, everyday human lives. It does not have to be special. We just need to be listening and in a place where we can hear. The shepherds out in the fields, quietness, the mundaneness, God could speak to them. He'd get their attention. The busyness of Jerusalem, oh, too much is happening there. I believe God could shout in there, and the people wouldn't hear it because they're so distracted. How easily you and I can get distracted this time of year because we're so busy about many things. Many of the things are good things. They're they're very good things. But you know what? Too often we get so busy even in the good things that suddenly we can't hear the Spirit of God speaking to us. We need, particularly during these times of years, this time of the year, to be quiet before the Lord and let him speak to us. And I believe, thirdly, they marveled at the reality of the coming of the Christ child, the anointed one, the Messiah. For the Hebrew, it was Messiah. For the Roman, it was the Christ. Same idea, the anointed one. The coming, the hope of Israel. Uh, the anticipation of Israel, the reality that there, there was this anticipation that had been built into the people at that point in time, that at any time the Christ would appear. And again, women desiring that their child would be the Christ, uh, that anticipation that was there. And now these shepherds come. Not only is there an excitement in their lives, but their proclamation of an angelic declaration, as well as the fact, no, we went and saw him face to face. We saw him ourselves. We saw him with our own eyes. We spoke to his mother. This thing is real. So the validation of it all, I believe that they marveled at that. But verse 19 says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I'm sure Mary is still trying to figure out what's going on. What's she going to do with this child? How is she going to raise it? You that are moms, you know that when that little baby comes, especially that first one, they don't come with instructions. And so you're wondering, what in the world am I going to do? Now put on top of that, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. Okay, I don't even know how to change diapers, and now you're giving me the Messiah to deal with, too. I believe for Mary, there's a lot of things that she was having to ponder in her heart to kind of work through during this time. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. The other neat point about verse 20 is, you know what? They got back into the work. They got back into what they were supposed to be doing, but their lives continued to glorify and praise God. 
when God moves and works in our lives to continue doing what he's called us to do, be faithful in that, and praising and glorifying God in that. Well, not only did these shepherds come with haste, they made widely known the sayings which were told them concerning the child. The message they proclaimed was a powerful one. We almost miss, if we don't slow down, read and listen and understand all that's being said in the midst of that. Charles Wesley got it. He understood that the message wasn't just about a baby being born. Neither was it so much about peace coming on earth. As Wesley put it in that first verse, the newborn king had come in in order that God and sinners might be reconciled. God and sinners reconciled. What an awesome message and declaration that is. You see, it wasn't simply the message of of peace on earth. It was a message of eternal peace on earth and in heaven because God and sinners can now be reconciled. John tells us so clearly in his gospel account in John 3, verse 17. He says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Because the fact is, we were condemned already. The good news is, the peace is, is that God and man are going to be reconciled because Christ came into the world to save mankind. The guilt was already ours. The stain of sin already covered our souls. We had been separated from God because of that sin. But once Christ came, there was the opportunity now that God had given us through Christ, in order that we might be reconciled. And when I see that phrase in Wesley's hymn, I say, man, that's the message of Christmas right there. As powerful it is that God sent his son, you really don't understand that until you can understand the reason the son came is in order that God and man might be reconciled. In the second verse of Wesley's hymn, It's kind of interesting. In that second verse, he touched on no less than six different Christian doctrines. Listen to the verse. See if you can pick them out. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. The first one, Christ the everlasting Lord. The fact that Christ is eternal. The psalmist declared in Psalm 90 verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We saw it as we studied through the book of Revelation. Jesus declared throughout that book of Revelation. Remember, we went through the Alpha Omega trail. I am Alpha Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He came to us from eternity past, and he continues to dwell in eternity future. The second rich doctrine that I see in this verse is late in time, behold him come. I believe that Wesley is speaking that these are the last days. 
the late in time doesn't mean that Christ came late for the appointment. Hey, you're supposed to be here at four and now it's six o'clock. No, not late in time. No, the fact is that it's late in time. And he is now coming. He was coming and his coming actually brought us into the last days. We see that over and over in Scripture. Remember in Acts chapter 2, Peter's message to the people there in Jerusalem. He says that this was spoken of by prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And you say, no, what you see going on with these believers right now, this is a sign that we are in the last days. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 1 says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. On behalf of Pastor David Landry and the entire production team here at The Open Word, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This has been a special edition of The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to the Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com, click on the podcast option on the homepage, or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard The Open Word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. And again, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.